When a group from St. Andrew uh, arrived in Tel Aviv, Israel to begin an 11-day pilgrimage to the Holy Land in the fall of 2016, uh, we were met at our hotel uh, by the man who would become our guide for that pilgrimage. His name is Iyad. And though I'd never met him before, we had dinner together at the hotel uh, so we could go over the itinerary and uh, the logistics for our pilgrimage uh, together. But before that, I wanted to get to know him a little bit. And uh, so I said to him, uh, where are you from, Ehud? And he looked at me rather matter-of-factly and said, Bethlehem. <laughs> I said, really? I got a savior from Bethlehem. <laughs> and he said, yes, my grandmother was his neighbor. Uh, and sure enough, uh, Ehud is a Palestinian Christian uh, who grew up in Bethlehem, lives there to this very day and is a member of the Church of the Nativity in Bethlehem, where he and his wife were married, where his children were baptized, communed, and confirmed, even though his grandmother really wasn't Jesus' neighbor because, you know, Jesus didn't grow up in Bethlehem. And besides, the timing is a bit of a stretch, although the rest of it is true, uh, along with uh, the fact that uh, times are getting kind of tough for Iyad these days because not many pilgrims are going to the Holy Land due to COVID restrictions. Nevertheless, I counted a blessing to have a, a friend and a spiritual brother uh, in the little town of Bethlehem on location. In fact, I was part of a Zoom with Iyad and about 20 other people just yesterday morning. Anyway, uh, as we come today uh, to the fourth and final week in the season of Advent with uh, Jazz Vespers and the great children's pageant and Advent parties all uh, behind us now, it occurs to me uh, that our worship in this month of December has really evolved around just a few central and primary characters like Mary and Joseph and, of course, John the Baptist and a few others like Elizabeth and uh, the angel Gabriel. But this year I decided to uh, help us bring Advent to uh, a close this time around by pointing not to a, a person, but rather to a place. And it is uh, this place that we hear about every year in the Old Testament, but don't often uh, talk very much about, uh, that comes from this minor prophet whose name is Micah, and who 700 years before that starry night when Jesus was born, points to the place where the world would be forever changed. And he says, but you, Bethlehem of Ephrathah, though you are little among the clans of Judah, will come from you one who is to rule his people, whose origins are from ancient days, or some translations say from old or even from everlasting. Now, if you know your Bible, you might actually find yourself thinking that maybe Micah was a, a little wrong about that, given the fact that uh, Bethlehem was the birthplace of David, the shepherd, who grew up to become the, children, uh, the king of Israel and was anointed there by the great prophet Samuel. Or that Bethlehem figured into the story of Jacob and Rachel because Rachel dies in Bethlehem and is buried there. Or, or the story of Ruth, who was remarried there and uh, becomes the great-grandmother of David. And yet, if the truth be known, Micah was actually right. Because in spite of those associations, Bethlehem, as a place, never did gain a lot of prominence. It didn't grow in population, even by our modern-day standards. It never got the cachet of, a, of an Athens or a Rome or even a Jerusalem located just six miles up the road to the north. 
In fact, in listing the cities of Judah, the prophet Joshua doesn't even list Bethlehem at all. Neither does Micah in a similar list. Ancient maps of the area often exclude Bethlehem and leave it as an unidentified place. Reminds me of a place uh, I visited when, uh, as a seminarian, I was on a choir tour and we landed in a, in a place called Conroy, Iowa, population 259, unincorporated, not even a post office. As they said to me, it's just a place, something like ancient Bethlehem. In fact, after the events related to the birth of Jesus, even the New Testament makes no further mention of Bethlehem, not even once. And so Bethlehem, which literally means house of bread in Hebrew, is this out-of-the-way, nondescript kind of uh, place of struggle, of ordinary people, where bread is baked, where sheep are raised, where shepherds are looked upon as kind of second-class uh, citizens, and where the population at the time of Jesus' birth was, you know, in the hundreds, but certainly no more than that. As a matter of fact, when Luke tells the story of the birth of Jesus, which we will hear later on this week, he says that Jesus was born in Bethlehem, and he was laid in a manger, which is an animal's feed box or trough, because there was no room for them in the inn. But I don't even want you to think that there was such a thing as an inn in the little town of Bethlehem, at least not in the sense of a motel or a and b or a place that you would pay to get lodging for the night. The word that Luke uses is the word kataluma in Greek, which is the inner room of a house where guests might stay if the family was small enough or if the room was otherwise unoccupied, the alternative to which would have been the stable often a cave where the animals were kept and over which the, the houses of Bethlehem were often built on, on its hillsides. And so I don't want to wreck the Christmas story for you, and I certainly don't want to eliminate the character of the innkeeper in our pageants. But it just goes to show you, you know, just what Bethlehem was really like, even though we might hear that word a little differently when we read it from Luke chapter 2. Nevertheless, you Bethlehem, you Bethlehem, hardly even worth a mention. From you will come this one who is great. You, Bethlehem, and then Micah adds the word Ephrathah, because Ephrathah was the region in which the town of Bethlehem was located within the larger kingdom of Judah. That ends up becoming kind of a significant thing because it actually turns out that there was another Bethlehem in Israel. And it was located about 75 miles to the north in the land of Zebulun and only about seven or eight miles west of, guess where? Nazareth, where Jesus did in fact grow up. And where a lot of people actually believe that Jesus was actually born, which would have made sense in one manner of speaking, except that uh, Micah in his prophecy specifies Bethlehem Ephrathah and not Bethlehem Zebulun. And when Luke describes the, the birth of Jesus, he talks about Mary and Joseph going into Judea to the city of who? David, which is called Bethlehem. And so Jesus was born 
in Bethlehem Ephrathah, not Bethlehem Zebulun, in case anybody ever asks. But the question really at the end of the day is, you know, who cares? Why does this matter? Why is location so important to us? And I think the answer really for me comes in two parts. And one of them has to do with the fulfillment of prophecy. And the fact that the children of Israel believed that their Messiah would come through the lineage, otherwise known as the family line, of David, the shepherd who became a king who was born and anointed in the little town of Bethlehem. And guess who else just happened to come from the family line of David? Somebody that you would not remotely expect because it was a poor carpenter who lived 75 miles up the road in a village called Nazareth, whose name is Joseph, who happens to be engaged to a young woman named Mary who happens to be expecting a child, which happens to take place when the Emperor Augustus issued an order for a tax registration or a census requiring Joseph to go to his ancestral home, which was Bethlehem of Ephrathah, where this child just happens to be born. And 700 years before that, the prophet Micah said that that child, the result of that woman's labor, would be great. Get this, not just in Ju Judah or Israel, but to the ends of the earth. He would be the one of peace. Now, you know, if you were Luke, and you were trying to, you know, make up the story or, or fabricate the story of the birth of Jesus, the Prince of Peace, the King of Kings, the Promised Messiah, I would think you would come up with something a little bit more glamorous than what you're going to get on Friday night. But that's not the way it went, and Luke tells it like it is. And come Friday night, I'll think, I think you'll see and hear again what a beautiful story it tells. Which brings me to the second reason that the location of Bethlehem is important to you and me. Because Jesus' birth in that insignificant, out-of-the-way place, this place of uh, oppression, this place that was flawed and broken, is a sign unto you that there's no place that God is unwilling to go in order to find you or me because I'm also flawed and imperfect and sinful and unworthy and broken. Bethlehem is a sign that there is no one God is unwilling to use, including unsuspecting people like a shepherd named David or a carpenter named Joseph or a young woman named Mary from a place called Nazareth, which also had a terrible reputation, to unveil the enormity of his love and the power of his presence in this broken world. You know, when movies are made on location, it means that they are made in real places, not in make-believe locations. And, and Bethlehem is that real place. It's that real world of brokenness and struggle and imperfection and lots of flaws as a reminder 
to you and me that there's no place he is unwilling to go. There's no person into whose life he is unwilling to enter. There is no humility that he is unwilling to endure for your comfort, for your hope, for your salvation, and for your life. And then there's this other thing that's going on uh, in the Bible, and it's in the New Testament, actually not in the Gospel of Luke, but in the Gospel of Matthew, where Matthew, in chapter 2, verse 6, actually quotes Micah 5, verse 2. And yet if you look at it very carefully, and this is easy to miss, it turns out uh, that Matthew does not quote Micah exactly. He paraphrases what Micah says. So that in Micah 5 verse 2, it says, But you, Bethlehem of Ephrathah, though you are little among the clans of Judah. But Matthew 2 verse 6 says, get this, But you, Bethlehem, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. Well, Micah's telling the truth and Matthew's telling the truth. But the question is, what's the difference? Micah's leaning into the insignificance of Bethlehem. Matthew is leaning into the greatness of, Beth, of Bethlehem. And what's the difference? What happens between Micah 5.2 and Matthew 2.6? The birth of Jesus Christ in the little town of Bethlehem. That's the thing that makes all the difference in the world of Matthew of the children of Israel, of the Gentiles, of all the generations, including you and me. Today, uh, Bethlehem has a population of eh, 25,000 or so. Still not a very big or prominent place by our modern standards. In fact, as we were walking uh, up to Manger Square, you know, there wasn't even a Starbucks in Bethlehem. But there was a knockoff cafe called stars and bucks. <laughs> and there it is. Yeah, and I guess that tells you something about Bethlehem right there. Many of you also know uh, that this beautiful olive wood nativity scene came from the little town of Bethlehem and that it was given as a gift uh, to the people of St. Andrew and to those who worship here during the Christmas season by some people who were on that pilgrimage to the Holy Land in the fall of 2016. And uh, we were blessed uh, to see these pieces on location in Bethlehem. I was blessed to meet the artist who was part of uh, the design of that. Uh, who fashioned it before it was shipped here uh, to St. Andrew. But what I really want you to think about as you look at this, what I really want you to hear as you sing the carols that become part of this season is that greater truth, that bigger, happier message that our God keeps his promises, that this prophecy has been fulfilled, that there is nowhere in the world that our great God of grace is unwilling to go to find you. Jesus Christ came into this world as a refugee. And he was a refugee. But he shined light into the darkness of this world. That's how I hope you will come to celebrate Christmas in this very very unusual year. And so with that, I wish all of you the blessings of Christ the child of Bethlehem.
that you, by God's grace alone, would make room for him in your heart and know by faith that he comes on location into your life to fill it up with grace and forgiveness and peace and hope and joy in him, come what may, now and forever. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.